drummer said, you know, it'd be cool, man, if your name was Vic Victor. And, and I was like, that sounds so dumb. But sure, okay, let's go with it. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to two maddening hours of horror and fright. I was probably halfway through the movie and I was like, this movie is fucking dumb. Children of the night. What music they make. Without being killed. Final girl. And I'm Sean of the Dead. And this is The House That Screams. Tonight we have a special interview with Vic Victor of the Coffin Cats. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Happy to be here. We're, we're so happy that you're here. And uh, this is going to be a shocker to our audience, but I am going to let Sean of the Dead start us out. Yeah, this is a first because she usually runs the show. Um, my first question right off the bat. Um, this last year and a half has been hectic, and I know it's been hectic for us in our you know, personal lives. How has everything with COVID affected you guys? Uh, it, well, it felt like everything flipped upside down for us. I mean, right before, so take it back, right before all the shutdowns happened and everything, before we knew how big any of this was gonna be, um, we had like three really big tours lined up and we were so stoked because we were like, oh, wow, we're finally going to get out of debt after at that point in time, it was like we were like 15 years in as a band and we've always been in debt. And, and we had these tours lined up that we seen on paper. We we're like, oh, wow, we're finally getting out of debt. It was we were just we were just like running towards like, yay, let's get on tour. We can't wait. We can't wait. And then all of a sudden, womp, 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 uh, all the shows started dropping off and and. At the, you know, at that point in time, nobody realized how serious everybody, everything was so up in the air. You know, people were like, oh, it's not going to be a big deal. And then some people were like, it's the end of the world. And, and, you know, it feels like it met somewhere in the middle on that. But uh, yeah, so basically what happened was the tours all got canceled and we were left with a huge pile of merchandise. But, you know, we're, we're super lucky in the sense that um, we have an awesome like friend slash fan base. And when we put out like, Hey, this happened to us as well, as well as just about every other band out there. Um, uh, our merch, our online store kept us floating as, cause we still have bills to pay. Like we had, we had purchased a building as a band and we ran our own print shop out of there. And, um, so we had like mortgage payments as well as the band was kind of like our income for our personal lives. And uh, so we, uh, in a weird turn of events, um, our old road guy, and some people who are familiar with the band would know him as Big Joey. He's our, he's our merch guy. He's hard to miss. Uh, he 
years back, um, he had stopped traveling with us to start a, a irrigation company putting in lawn sprinklers. And he just so happened to need a crew. And we were like three dudes that were like, Hey, we're ready to go to work. We had worked with them here off and on in the past, just to pick up some extra bucks in between tours. But, um, our print shop business completely died out because, uh, we were always catering to touring bands and nobody could tour all the merch orders fell through and all that. So we pretty much shut the shop down and started digging holes in people's yards. And for the past, uh, well, we've all the way up until now, we've been doing that uh, between playing shows. Uh, we've been putting irrigation systems in and it's, it's been a happy, it's, it kind of, it kind of all worked out. And so we've gotten through and, uh, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, when, when things like this happen, you kind of just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and. Yeah. So yeah, we, 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 we ended up shutting down the, uh, the merch business just because it was like, man, it, it was, we were barely hanging in there as it was. It was something to kind of just be able to pay the bills in between tours and stuff. But then once we started making like real money, like <laughs> doing the irrigation stuff, it, we, we decided that, wow, we should try to find a comfortable balance between doing that and touring as a band so that's what we do now <laughs> so i can't imagine you know because we're so far removed from that i can't imagine being in that situation and i and i you know try to support you know the artists that that i really love and um you know you guys are, are one of my my biggies so um you know because i'm like you know and, and our son our, our youngest is 14 and he's an amazing guitarist and you know, we were trying to explain to him because he's like, I'm going to be in a band. And I'm like, okay, let me tell you the realities. of Yeah. Because okay? <laughs> you, you, I, I like to keep it real, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I think that's one of the things that uh, have contributed to the longevity of this band. Like we're going on 18 years now is that we've always had jobs. Like there was, there was a point, there was a point like from 2010 to like 2014 that we were, completely on the road like full-time like that was our main income and everything but that's only sustainable for so long and then life gets in the way and you start having families and stuff like that and rock and roll doesn't pay those kind of bills if you're if you're single and and floating through life sure but uh no but we've always we've always just been you know blue collar working and you know there's ups and downs and when one door closes, another one opens up. And yeah, <laughs> I think that's kind of, we never had any, like, we never had any dreams of like, oh, well, we're going to be one day, you know, headlining major festivals and stuff, stuff like that. We always just kind of had this realism about it because we did our first tour, like we were freshly 21 and we did our first tour out West and we saw the reality of everything. And it wasn't, you know, full shows every night. It was playing to like three people that would, you know, give you the time of day if you were lucky. And I, and... I can't tell you, like Candy said, you know, I, I fronted a metal band for a couple of years and we had those moments where, you know, we'd have a show in Peoria. We live in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. and, and so we would get in my buddy's piece of shit, Econoline van, and drive out to this show and the the guy who who put the show together would be waiting in the parking lot with gas money and and, <laughs> and was like if you guys don't want to play you guys can just go because there was only like three people that showed up and it's like yeah, yeah we made the trip fuck it we're gonna play yeah yeah I've, we've done many shows where you just play for the other bands <laughs> right right yeah and i mean we played shows where we would have some of the other bands 
like we would just swap out members and you know n- no one would be the wiser right you know? and we would just sit there and jam out and and so funny, yeah come up come up with <laughs> fake names for our band and you know, <laughs> just have fun with it but one one thing I did want to mention, I was I was looking through some some interviews with you guys, and you get you did an interview for uh, I think it was called Bus Invaders. Yeah. And and you you made a comment. You guys talked about like when you were on the road, you listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff, and you made a comment about how you used to listen to Coast to Coast AM. Yes. And that took me back because that we would leave shows and that two three hour drive yep. back to Indy, and that's what we would listen to, and we would get so freaked out. Yep. Listening to, to George Norrie or Art Bell and some of the stories, you know, that they would talk about. Yep. And I just, I don't know when I, when when I heard you say that, I was like, oh my god, that takes me back. Yeah, because we we would have we would have we would have these vans that were barely holding together, and we were lucky if they had a CD player in them. But the AM station always came in, and coast to coast, if it went out on one station while you're driving through the desert. You could find it. You'd have to scan through, and you'd find it launch onto another station, and yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> many memories. The good memories of that, just driving through the middle of the night, searching through the radio bands, trying to get it to dial in. Right, right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, make those long nighttime drives just go by. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the questions I wanted to ask. Um, so you, you guys are in Detroit. Um, Neighbors. Yeah, not not yeah. too far from us. <laughs> um, have you always lived in Detroit? Yeah, so the uh, the guys uh, Tommy and Eric, um, uh, as well as with the exception of uh, so basically anybody who's been in Coffin Cats, with the exception of uh, Ian, he was from Albuquerque. But everyone grew up in the Metro Detroit area, and we all live within a couple of miles of each other. Nice. And, uh, pretty much, we live exactly where we grew up at. So. Right. right yeah. <laughs> so do we. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so like, what was, you know, some of your musical influences growing up? What, what got you hyped and want, wanting to, to actually make a career out of this? Well, the growing up, it was pretty much listening to whatever was on the, whatever the parents were playing in the car and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and then the, the turning point was there was rock and roll station was on and, uh, there was a, a news station came on because I remember seeing the advertisements for it on the TV. It was called 96.3, the planet, the alternative station. And that was like, alternative was the code word for like, it's rock and roll, but they also have like edgier stuff like punk rock. And uh, so I remember flipping over to that station and uh, they were playing green day. They were playing offspring. They played bad religion. And when I heard Bad Religion, um, it was infected. And that just, that was like, I really like this music and I want to dive in completely. And so that was that Christmas, I got a uh, little RCA Discman, uh, whatever the, not the Sony Discman, the RCA cheaper version. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and uh, I remember my first three CDs I got for that Christmas was a Smashing Pumpkins uh, Gish CD uh offspring smash i got the green day dookie cassette tape and uh bad religion stranger than fiction which were all pretty much new releases at that point in time so that would have been like 94 i think and uh yeah and that was that's how i fell into that kind of music and and then um we had just i remember we had just gotten cable and and at that age i was like looking for beavis and butthead that was what i was looking for because i got to see snippets of beavis and buttheads at friends houses and stuff 
And so I remember having Beavis and Butthead on and you know how they would critique the music videos and all that. Well, uh, Psychobilly Freakout came on by Reverend Horton Heat. And that was my first like real exposure to seeing somebody get crazy on an upright bass and just that that echoey sound. It was really weird and the video was weird, but I was like, I really like this. So that stuck with me. And it and I was able to find a Reverend Horton Heat CD at a uh, at uh, the local Meyer. I think you guys have Meyer in Indiana. Yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> they used to have a CD selection there, and uh, um, and I found one of his CDs, and then that kind of just started it all off into understanding what the you know psychobilly rockabilly stuff was, and as I got a little bit older and, and went to, you know, independent record shops, I was able to find those kind of CDs and stuff. And so that was, that was what got me into everything. And then of course I listened to, I listened to everything, but like another, another big uh, influence, what kind of pointed me towards the creepy stuff was actually typo negative listening because bloody kisses was very popular at, at that point in time as well so i was like i like this vampire sounding music too and you know and there wasn't there wasn't we didn't have the internet so it was kind of like you had to listen to the radio and i would always be taping stuff off the radio and that's how i learned about different artists and things like that was just like having to sit by the radio and hoping that vampire song would come on right. so i could catch the whole song on the tape instead of just like the end of it or whatever and and uh yeah <laughs> yeah and and it's funny said because i remember vividly when napster became a thing and that like i spent hours like looking early days of the internet trying to find all of these random songs and that that's how i found typo negative i yeah. had a friend that was that was a huge fan and i'm like i'd see him wear like the shirts and I'm like, you know, I finally one day I was like, I got to look this band up. And I was just like blown away. Like, this is so dark and creepy. And I love it. I love that we saw them, um, you know, because Peter Steele's gone now. But yeah. we did see him. And it was a weird billing. Um, we were, we've known each other since we were children. Mm. Um, but we were about 15. And Pantera was on the Far Beyond Driven tour. Awesome. They had typo open for them, and everybody who was there to see Pantera was fucking pissed. But I, <laughs> so I just walked right up to the stage. Nobody's there, and I'm just like staring up at Peter Steele, like this is fucking awesome. <laughs> like I love typo. This is great. Um, yeah, I, I love those moments uh, where we where we have those. Yeah. 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 yeah those are, that's two bands that I wish I was able to see in their prime and never got a chance to see was Pantera and Typo Negative. I think we all have that list of yeah. like, oh, shit, I missed that. I fucking missed out. But yeah. but you know, um, you know, we're very big concert goers. We just took our son to his first concert. He's um it was to see corn, but he's seen slipknot, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, we we're one of those there were those parents like, uh, yeah, you wanna go? We're fucking going. We're gonna go see Deftones. You want you're gonna go see this. And uh yeah, you know, music is really important in this household and you know, honestly, uh my first when we first started the podcast and it started actually doing something one I was shocked but two I was like I need to get a guest on and I really want a horror punk guest because it's so important to us and I guess that's kind of leading into my question um you know we're a horror show uh we love music uh so are you a big horror fan 
Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm making sure that's not me there. Sorry if I'm dinging there. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, yes. I mean, I'm not like a, I'm not like a horror fanatic. Like I don't go to the horror conventions and stuff like that. But that being said, I, when I was, I, I can distinctly remember like, uh, getting into, um, about the time that I was getting into Metallica, a friend had given me like his Metallica CDs, but also gave me an Evil Dead tape and or Evil Dead 2. And because I remember I was talking about Army of Darkness and I had no idea that that was, you know, part of a trilogy. And he was like, oh, you like Army of Darkness? You, you need to watch this. This is the movie that came out before. And I watched that movie. I've, I've probably seen that movie over 300 times front to back. And Guilty. I mean, you know, I, I know that's like one of the everyone's like, oh, everybody knows Evil Dead 2. But I was like that movie, that movie like really changed things for me as far as like under, uh, appreciating quirky, you know, quirky offbeat horror movies that you don't just see always like on the you know new release section, like, you know, looking looking beyond the mainstream and stuff like that when it came to movies. And uh, another one that I I always remember watching it as a kid, but always only being able to catch parts of it was Phantasm. Yes. And I just recently uh, at the store found uh, the complete DVD collection all the way from the first one up until uh, Ravenger. And uh, so I just started enjoying those movies again. And uh, yeah, so the uh, the first two are cool. And uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a it's it's kind of hard to get through the other ones. But, yeah. you know, still. That's, that's uh, general, like, fat, yeah. Basically. <laughs> um, but no, you know, um, I will, I will tell you my earliest memory um, from ever seeing a movie was actually Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. And I remember well, I was probably like, I was probably like four years old, like on the couch with my dad watching that movie. And so I, I remember like, I can still remember like the girl going up on the meat hook and, you know, maybe that, maybe that messed my brain up and, you know, pointed me this direction that seeing it at such a young age, but, and, and seeing the guy get hit with the hammer and then shaking on the floor, that realism. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I, I that's probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's in our uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, and the scene where he takes that hammer to the head and he, and he's flopping on the floor. And then Leatherface just drags him in and slams that yep. that door shut. Like, and then the music cues perfectly. Right. Right. No. And it's just, oh, it's so eerie and creepy. And I love it's it. It's a fucking masterpiece. Actually, no. one of my favorite Coffee Cat songs is uh, Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I was just listening to it earlier. Like, I was like, hmm, I wonder, you know, like, obviously, you know, they must like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. It's a great yeah. song. Song. yeah you know I, I what that song lyrically was more inspired by the leatherface movie that came out with uh, that had vigo mortensen in it um i i just remember that thinking about that movie for whatever reason when i was writing that song but, right no that's yeah. cool. i haven't cool. seen that movie in forever i don't know if it still holds up well or not but <laughs> that depends on how you ask yeah you know yeah. um that's one thing you know being in a horror community like um it everybody has really strong opinions and sometimes it gets a little heated on our show with so many people and uh it's very rare that we all agree um so sometimes it's just like a, a brawl i was like i'm right and you're wrong but no we, we, we actually respect each other's opinions <laughs> well i'm just i'm curious about um going back to uh you 
growing up with the music and everything and getting into playing the upright bass, um, did, is that something you jumped right into, or did you go through like an evolution of, of different instruments before you landed on that? Well, I, I started out, um, my dad, my dad gave me his, uh, his guitar he had when he was a kid, he gave me his guitar. I, I kind of always had access to it, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really start taking it serious probably until about, uh, probably about 10 or 11 years old, right at the same time that I was really getting into like punk rock and everything. And so, um, I, I started, uh, I took like one or two guitar lessons just to be able to, the teacher showed me how to read guitar tab. And I was like, Oh, well, I don't need lessons anymore. I can do this. <laughs> I remember the, I remember the first, I, I think I learned like, you know, smells like teen spirit. And I learned, uh, purple haze and crazy train. And, uh, but it, it was it was kind of something where I was like, okay, cool, I'm learning other band stuff. And then once I learned how to make a power chord, that's when I was like starting to make my own songs. And uh, I, I always I always dreamed of like, oh, I want to be in a band. I want to be in a band. And from the moment that I could get with other uh, people my age that were also played guitar, like I would get to go over their house and jam and stuff like that, always with the idea that like, I really want to have a band. And fast forward, I think I probably had like 14, I, I've lost count, but it was somewhere around 14 different bands. I was in playing guitar. Uh, and uh, before coughing cats happened. Now the upright bass came about because I realized that I was never going to be able to play guitar like Brian Setzer. So <laughs> I was like, well, I need to do something else. And plus everybody I knew played guitar. Everyone played guitar or everyone had electric bass. And I wanted to, I was thinking, I was, I was thinking like it, for the future, I was like, I should, I should play an instrument. Uh, I really like the upright bass, but it just seemed like such a uh, intimidating instrument. And on top of that, I was like, where do you even get one of those things at? But I started to like convince myself that it's a good idea to save up and get one because maybe if I get really good at it, when I get older and the rock and roll thing doesn't work out, maybe I can play in a jazz band or something. And people, you know, people would, you can't find upright bass players everywhere. So maybe I'd be an in-demand musician or something like that. <laughs> Um, so I was, uh, I think I was either 16 or 17 and I had gotten a job at Toys R Us, uh, working the, uh, holiday season, uh, specifically for the reason of saving up money so that I could go on eBay and buy my first upright base. And so I did the whole holiday season thing and made enough money that I could dump it into a, dump it into a PayPal account or whatever. And uh, this was like 2000, I think this was like 99, 2000. So the primitive eBay, but they, they had upright bases. You could be, buy on there for like 650 bucks delivered to your door. And so that's what I did. And, uh, then it was a long road of like figuring out what to actually do with it, how to play it. But fortunately, you know, at that point in time, psychobilly, had actually started taking off. And other people were getting into it too. And there was another guy that I actually played in bands with and stuff. He got an upright bass too. He got one before me and he actually learned stuff and showed me the basics on it. And uh, yeah, I just uh, slowly but surely started like trying to pick things up from the internet and, and uh, 
asking, just getting on there and bugging other upright bass players, question, bugging them, like asking them, like, what do you do? What kind of strings and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that you're so down to earth. You're so pragmatic. I mean, it, it's so good to have that perspective because I think a lot of people lose that, you know, in the journey. Um, but yeah, it's so interesting, you know, because of course I've, I've seen your videos and live performances, uh, not in person because uh, we talked about that, but that's that, that that's going to change. But um, <laughs> the upright bass is so, I understand how you would feel intimidated because when you see, you know, people play them, I'm thinking of like um, calling the dead from, the, you know, the brains and stuff like that. Like, it's so... Like that seems like a full-time fucking job on stage. Yeah. I mean, the instrument, singing. the instrument itself, even in, even in, in its smallest position with like the end pin knot, and it's still bigger than I am. <laughs> right. And you're singing and you're moving around because as a singer, you know, that's part of your job in a band. So I'm like, wow, that's fucking impressive. Like, wow. You know, cause a, a lot of psychobilly bands, they fall into the same category it's usually a three-piece there's the bassist there's a drummer guitar slash singer but you guys are different you know because you're playing upright bass and you're singing and it's just it's very very impressive i really like that yeah i i never i the last thing i ever thought i would be when i was like starting to become a musician what the last thing i ever thought i would be is a singer and the only reason that i started singing uh it was because no, I couldn't find anybody else that could do it. So Coffin Cat started with with me and my buddy Tommy, who uh, who when when uh, we had when we came up with the name. Well, actually, a buddy of mine, my tattoo artist buddy Sam Wolf, came up with the name Coffin Cats when we were hanging out one day, and we were actually making the joke about like cliche psychobilly names, and he had this name. And I just so happened to need a name for a band that Tommy and I were starting. And I was like, um, I'm going to use that Coffin Cat's name if that's cool. And he's like, yeah, I'm not, not going to do anything with it. And that's how the name Coffin Cats was formed out of a joke about cliche psychobilly band names. But at the same hand, it's, it, it sounded like a name that should have already been used. And it sounded like a name that like you've heard before. <laughs> and, and so uh yeah and so we we adopted the name and then i said hey tom instead of berzawa your last name how about we call you tom coffin like like the ramones you know and i was like vic coffin sounds kind of dumb but <laughs> <laughs> but i was in a band before that the drummer was like because my my first name is zach my last name is victor and the drummer said, you know, it'd be cool, man, if your name was Vic Victor. And, <laughs> and I was like, that sounds so dumb, but <laughs> sure. Okay. Let's go with Why it. Not? So yeah, in that band, yes, I became, <laughs> in that band, I became Vic Victor and it just, it just stuck. So I was like, all right, well, I've invented this stage character. So, and then when Coffin Cat started, I just kept that name and that's what I've pretty much been known as for the last 18 years. Uh, and so the, the lineup of Coffin Cats that you see now is actually the first formation with uh, E-Ball, Eric on drums. And so for the first six months of the band, we started in June of 2003. And for the first uh, six months or so of the band, it was uh, uh, Eric, Tom, and I. And then Eric's job schedule, his work schedule wasn't working out so well, and we wanted to start playing out-of-state stuff. And so... 
he he ended up moving on to other things and um a buddy of ours local guy damien came in and started playing for us and he's on the first two albums and he was with us for a couple years and then um his school his school schedule was really starting to conflict with what us want we always just wanted to start hitting the road once we went out on the one tour it was like all right well this is what we want to do and so um tommy had played in a band in his teens called press it was a just a like kind of a street punk band to the local detroit area and the drummer of that band was uh, this catch dude and uh he uh he he became our 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 third drummer and he was on the string from the pack album he was with us for like a year and a half a couple tours and um his also he was going on and we were getting older at that point where some people were actually wanting to start real careers and and he was going on to like get a real job and stuff like that and so at that point in time we had actually met back up with eball and he was like, yeah, I'm not really doing much and, and I can go on tour. And so that's, that's, a, that's the history of our drummers right there. So, right. <laughs> so the current lineup is the original lineup. That's nice. Awesome. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to ask, uh, I mean, you seem like, uh, you like horror, obviously. Um, and you mentioned evil dead and you know, like there is zero shame in loving the fuck out of that movie. Our son's name is Ash. I oh, awesome. I like to yeah. throw that out there. Uh, our kids basically have horror names. But, I mean, like, Evil Dead 2 is fucking great. And don't feel like, you know, you're less than any other horror fan. <laughs> and, and, and so, but going off of that, um, what made you decide to just make it sort of horror-centric? Is it just the sound of Psychobilly or... Or is is everybody else in the band like uh, more into horror, or, or you know, is it all of you coming together for that? It's we actually were just making the joke with uh, Eball about um, he he's he he's like one of those guys that has barely seen like any movie. I don't think he's ever seen like any of the Star Wars really, oh, wow. and so we yeah, so we always make jokes about like. Yeah, when we see like like the new Halloween came out, we're like, oh, you're not gonna know anything that's going on because you've never even watched the original Halloweens. <laughs> and uh, but um, no, and and Tommy, Tommy's pretty much on par with like the same movies that like we don't we don't like deep dive into weird obscure horror movies or anything like that. But it's kind of like staying at people's houses, whatever comes up on the screen, and we're you know that's that's kind of how we ingested a lot of offbeat horror movies. Um, but uh, you know yeah we're we're all we all enjoy a good horror movie and stuff like that and um but if you were to go to our houses we don't have you know it doesn't look like and none of our houses look like tim burton like uh, like a tim burton house or anything right like that. <laughs> you're so attacked yeah, <laughs> <I'm done. Okay>. yeah. <laughs> well if i had it my way with with the decorating of of the house that i'm in but the the wife you know, she would not appreciate that i right. understand that like know obviously we do the horror cons and we are the people who deep dive into movies sometimes ones we do not want to that's what we do as podcasters but you know he uh he's a minimalist i'm a maximalist and so like i collect autographs and pictures and, and things uh, uh to do with horror and he's just has to like perfectly align them marie condo my shit <laughs> i want them all right there yeah and he's like but that doesn't flow and i'm like dude yeah yeah one of the most recent we we got a a big um uh, army of darkness poster and i had it framed and 
you know, she tells me where she wants it, and I get out the measuring tape, the hammer, the nails. I've got the, I've got <laughs> the, the laser level out. I've got so the level to... <laughs> out, and I have to make sure, you know. And that's just, I, that's just how I am. And it, you know, it. Our living room looks cool with all the posters and stuff, but I have to make sure that they're all evenly. I get it. I don't. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not allowed to hang for... anything on the walls in the house. My, yeah. my, yeah, I'm my the wife does the same thing. Designer, and he's the actual like gonna make it work type. Yeah. You know, because like we still haven't even like we met uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Um, I'm sure you probably. Oh, uh, I I used to stay. Uh, I used to stay up. Monster I used Vision? to stay up until the wee hours in the morning watching the Monster Vision on oh, yeah. TNT. Like and we finally got to meet him over the summer and. Uh, because of my disability, um, you know, I was there in a wheelchair, and because uh, my spine is going out, which is bullshit at forty-two, but okay. Um, you know, but uh, he, we got to have like this special moment with him, and it was just like everything. But we still haven't hung it up, and I feel like it's because he hasn't decided where it's gonna go yet. <laughs> and I have all these fucking plans, but you know, I'm just, you know, that's marriage. That's marriage is compromise, and and you know, that's part of like the adult. You know, <laughs> thing, you know, being I, a horror fan, being a music fan, I, but like having a family and being married. And it's like they're, they're like two separate lives almost. I, 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 I live it every day. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny g going back to uh, Joe Bob Briggs. I recently um, I recently was going through talking about it's funny talking about posters and stuff like that. I was recently going through like some I've moved so many times over the years. And, you know, when you move, you get you make bins and those bins get put in a corner. And then when you move again, you got more bins that get stacked on those bins. And I've, I've had like a mountain of these Rubbermaid bins that like go all the way back to like, like when I was a kid, just stuff that I keep throwing in there and everything. And I found a bunch of my VHS tapes and I actually found a, a, a tape that I used to tape. Um, I used to, when like a cool movie was coming on, I would I would I would tape them and actually taped uh, Road Warrior because uh, I was like just randomly I was like what is on this tape and it was Joe Bob Briggs uh, hosting the Road Warrior and you know talking you know he would always do the the body counts and you know and in this coming up we're gonna have this many car crashes and that kind of thing and it was it was just it was like a trip down memory lane it was yeah funny. that was high school for me and yeah. um... You know, he, he would actually, like, he's this super nice guy, um, would answer my letters. And so at 41, because oh, I just turned 42, I'm up rolling up in a wheelchair, like, I've been waiting 20-something years to talk to you. And, like, what a nice guy. What a fucking phenomenal guy. He's awesome. really, truly awesome. So it's like when you meet your heroes and they, they just still stay your hero, that's that's winning. So I'm like, um, so we got to frame um, my special autograph or what are we doing? Yep, you got um, it. <laughs> you know, you, like, you know, you still stay married even on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but that's, that's part of uh, the charm. I lose, I use that loosely of the house that screams. <laughs> Very uh, cool. Yeah. We, we are the redheaded stepchild of horror podcast. We really are. Like, it's just fucking insanity. But, um, you know, we're just such, you know, we, we talk music a lot in this show. And I'm just, I was so pleased that you uh, wanted to do this with us. Uh, you know, this is this is just something I've been working towards once I realized, like, the podcast is taking off. Like, this is what I wanted. And it's happening. And, yeah, it's so great. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still geeking out. Okay, I got to be good. <laughs> um, people expect this from me, though. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I have to say, uh, I love all of your music. And you know what really sells me? I think um, as a musician, you tend to listen in other bands as to like what musical instrument you play. That's where you focus in. Like your guitar players are listening to the guitar first. You know, the guitar has to sell them. And as a singer, the voice has to sell me. And I think the very first thing I heard of from you guys was the cover of Man Eater. Oh, yeah. That was like that voice <laughs> right there. We and recently just brought that back into our set list because so many people have been asking for it. Like, it's oh, so okay. great. <laughs> it's like your voice does something special to it. And it's just like, I love the sound um, of that, that entire cover. It's great. And then I was just like, I, and how I am is I find something I like and I'm like, I need to absorb every single thing they've ever done. So your first album, uh, Jesus, like fucking knocked my socks off. Like... I think I found them and I was like, oh my God, listen to this band. Yeah. Listen to this fucking band. And, um, you know, that's sort of uh, the point of having on the show because we want to share you with everyone. We want to be like, listen, this is so fucking great. It's going to bring you I appreciate life. that. It's so talented. It's so fun. And, uh, you know, d the horror thrown in is just like a fucking bonus, you know? Yeah. You, you know, lyrically, it was, it's, it, we've we've been around for we've we've been around long enough that we've gone through different stages as a band it, it, we started out we started out real you know real psychobilly horror punky and everything and then and then we went through a phase where we we're still trying to figure out is like is that what we want to have define us as a band and, and 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 then come full circle to go because we went we tried different things and then lean and some albums lyrically lean more towards real life things and mm -hmm. and realizing that that's not that fun to sing about all the time and and uh i think i was always i think i always feared like i i didn't want to feel like if i was writing horror lyrics all the time i didn't want people to think like that well, we were just very one-dimensional and now looking back uh looking back seeing all the different type of all the different lyrical content that we did and then the different type of types of music that we were able to do with the you know while still retaining our sound now it's like i feel like we're in an awesome spot that i can do whatever we want to do like the last ep we just put out was a very was a was more of a more horror based material than i think we've done since the first couple albums and and uh, I just kind of whatever, what kind of whatever pops in my head, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, as a musician, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into one specific niche genre. You know, I mean, look at the Misfits, for example. You know, they're straight horror punk. Yeah. And if they would have come out with like, you know, something political, like similar to like, say, a Dead Kennedys or something. Yeah. Like it just it would just be totally. Yeah, that, that was always our, our one our one bugaboo as when it came to uh, lyrics and stuff like that. And even the way that we handle things like because we'll it's when you're in a band and if you have any little bit of notoriety, it's almost like people want to they want to say, OK, cool. But what side are you on? And we're like, look, I'm not even getting involved. We're here for a good time. We're here for escapism. We're not on any side. We're that in that middle that you can listen to us and we're your quote unquote safe space or whatever you want us to be. But don't tell us, don't ask us to pick a side because we are not about alienating any groups of people. You know, obviously, 
obviously it doesn't even need to be said that we don't believe in hatred of any type towards any, you know, any person or any belief or anything like that, you know, uh, but yeah, we stay the hell away from politics. It doesn't belong in our music and we're not here to divide anybody. We're here to just, and if you see our crowds, our crowds, it's, you know, you don't have to be a do-ga-do-ga-do-ga rockabilly guy at our show. You can be whatever you want to be at our show. Right, you know, we right. have metal fans. We have people from all different genres and stuff. And, and that's the, goes with the same thing too, about like the bands that we tour with, you know, we, we'd always try to, we play with a ska band. We play with metal bands. We play with street punk bands. We played with oi bands. We play with whatever, like, you know, it's not just, we weren't always just like, it has to be 100% psychobilly all the time or anything like that. And even for a while, we weren't even sure what kind of a band we were. I just always thought of us as a punk band with an upright bass. Um, but at that being said, looking back now, like I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of like reverby drums or reverby guitar and that kind of stuff. So like looking back, I'm like, well, no, it is, it is a very heavily Billy influenced band, but you know. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting um, the way people can measure success and something that you said early, um, just a, a minute ago um, is what I feel like is real success. It's not about money. It's not about you know, these material things, it's about the freedom. Um, you know, as, as any type of artist, you know, I'm a writer, a, a former musician, whatever. It's like the freedom to do what you want to do and put out what you want to put out. And um, when you get to that point, I think that's success, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And we were lucky. We were lucky in the sense that we were always an independent band and we, we worked on small labels and stuff like that, but it was always, everything we did was pretty much DIY. And there wasn't ever any management or any other outside entities saying, okay, well, we need your next batch of songs to sound like this. And we want to take you in this direction. It was always us kind of finding our own direction. And I think it worked out well for us, you know, in hindsight. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that transfers so well to some things that we often say on the show, like, you know, this movie, maybe you should have cut the budget a little bit because when you go down and you're, you're not answering to anyone, um, you get more creative and you're doing your thing. You're not doing, you're not a part of the machine. And, and that's the real independence and creativity. Like I can do what I want because I don't have to answer to anybody but myself. And, yeah, my, I, fans, it, and my fans love me and they're going to continue to love me. You know, that's what that is. Absolutely. Yeah, and you and we see that in a lot of the films that we talk about is it's you know we, we dig up a lot of trivia about the films that we cover because we cover we'll cover a new film like every week and you know some sometimes too, oh, sometimes too. <laughs> a lot of the but a lot of the things that we see is you know the director had an idea for this film and the you know the the studio came in and said no nah, you're not going to do that you're going to do this and totally ruined the vision of that film. Look what it did to George Romero. Yeah. He's, I mean, best, no. when, he's best when you give him like $5 and he, he'll just <laughs> fucking figure it out. And that's yeah. I think his best work is, you know, working um, independently and he like fuck authority. You know, it's very punk rock of him. A lot of these masters of horror, like we talk about John Carpenter, like he likes his money, but he doesn't want anybody fucking telling him what to do. Yeah, absolutely. He has a vision. And, and we, and if you love, um, his work, you're, you've got to, you know, celebrate it all. And, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm so glad for you guys that you, you're, 
unafraid to do that. And, and some people are too afraid to step outside the, that comfort zone and, and try some new things. And uh, I honestly think, you know, throughout your catalog of work, I, I just like it all. I, it, it, the sound is great. Um, does it, you know, I, I like the different lyrical contents. It doesn't have, I mean, I'm obviously a horror person, um, but I'm also a musician. So I just really like your face's sound. And, and, you know, I think anybody who's really a fan is just going to be a fan of that sound and accept new things from that. And especially if you're, um, you know, not like a super mainstream group, so you have that freedom, you know, your, your, your fans that are attracted to that, they're more open-minded as well. Yeah, we, uh, uh, we've been very, very fortunate that, um, we still, we still, even we see people that were there on our very first tour, like back, back in like 2004, when we hit the West coast, we, uh, we still see the same people. And now we see that they, they got kids and stuff like that. And, and, uh, we, it's funny. Cause you, you, people, there's, we were we were young enough that people that people started to come out and see us we kind of grew up with the we grew up with our fan base kind of (laughs) and uh yeah we we have a we just have a very passionate fan base and we're very fortunate for it and um i think that's the other thing too why we were always so adamant about like hey not picking sides and not trying to alienate anybody because we've met so many different people from so many different backgrounds and you never you, you never know what what one person what where one person li- like the united states is such a big place and there's you, you can't say, you can't just say that somebody from down south is the same as somebody from the pacific northwest and you you can't try to lump those two people and their beliefs together and and it, it's just you don't want to alienate people is what i'm trying to say um you know, yeah. <laughs> no, I totally understand our show. Like I said, we have the biggest, we, we call it our family. Um, but we have the only section of the world that we're really missing is like West coast. We have Jersey people. We have Pennsylvania people. We have Southern people. We have our Midwest people, which of course, you know, we're like, I don't think, I think the Midwest is sort of that, that gets treated as like, not really that important, but um, <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, fly flyover country they call right. it, right? right? Like, yeah. you know, especially Indiana. I mean, like, there's no hills, there's no trees. If you get outside of Indiana and the suburbs, it's just farms. Yeah, one uh, of so one of the first places that we it. played out of state was Evansville, Indiana. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> Evansville. Hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you have a fan base there because you know I've never really viewed Evansville as like one of my favorite places, but. uh um, yeah, I, I really like that's another thing I really like about you guys. You're you're Midwest people, you know? And and we love that because Yeah. We say ope when when something goes wrong yeah, or when yeah. somebody's <laughs> way we go, ope, ope. <laughs> yeah, all the little Midwest terminology. He's got he's got a Hoosier accent, but I yeah. my my uh, area of study was uh language, grammar. Um I was weird like that. Um so okay. I, people people can't pick out my accent. And when I tell them where I'm from, they're like, you don't sound like you're from the Midwest. And I'm like, well, my husband does. Yeah. And we grew up going to the same schools and, you know. And I hear about it all the time. But you sound like your grandmother, <laughs> dude. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's endearing to me. You know, I've moved away at points because I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. But I'm like, oh, I come back because it's home. 
And right. um, yeah, I fucking love the Midwest. And I think it's so great that there's, you know, Midwest band mix. Yeah, I get asked sometimes like, oh, you know, how could, how could, why did you guys stay, you know, stay in the Detroit area? A lot of, a lot of bands up and go to, you know, a lot of bands will up and go to California because that's where all the action is and everything. And I, I just look at it as, you know, at this point, we've been we've been all over the u.s many 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 times and uh the only states that we haven't played yet are alaska and hawaii uh and then we've been all over europe many 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 times um and so we've 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 seen many places and seen and experienced many different cultures and uh the way i look at it as i go yeah there's some beautiful places in the world and there's some really cool cultures in the world um but eventually every place kind of sucks you know so what's the difference Uh, we're happy here this is where our family is at our families have been here for generations and in the you know in the michigan region and we're we're, this is this is home yeah that's what i i learned because i was just so adamant like i'm gonna go i gotta get out of here i gotta go to california and i'm gonna be this writer i'm gonna be this musician and but I always end up back here and I'm just like, you know, this is home. This is where I'm from. And, you know, this is where I want to raise my children. This is, you know, what I want to do. And, and, um, I think that is something that, uh, a lot of Midwesterners actually do is they end up coming back because there's something special about us that I don't think people recognize about the Midwest. You know, we're sort of in the middle you know, we got stuff going on the East Coast and, and the South and the, the West, and here we are. We're just like, you know, you're going to find your more blue collar, pragmatic, down to earth people. And I really like that. I like well, that. I'll tell you what, the, the crowds, the crowds are great. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that even, even Detroit, like, would get skipped over a lot. So I think there's a lot of people that are hungry for like shows and stuff. And so, you know, if we'll play, if we play in uh, Indianapolis or we, um, you know, we play in, in, we play in Columbus, Ohio or something like that, the, the, the crowds are always great and, and just very like into it and everything. And the, you know, it, you don't get that feeling of like, ah, oh, just another band, but, you know, there's, there's no jadedness going on and people are passionate about like, thank you so much for coming here. You know? Yeah. That's me. Yeah. And that's always me. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, they came to the Midwest. Like, like, okay. My one tattoo and I, I only started getting tattoos at 41, so this is I've only had it for a year. But it's. I wish I would have. I wish I would have waited. Well, I had like 23 piercings. I I, I had commitment issues because I could take those out. But I, I committed to Mystery Science Theater. It's my favorite show of all time. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, I I have movie. many fond memories of of watching it on Sunday afternoons oh, growing up. And absolutely, yeah. and it was you know you get the horror and the comedy and. They're, they're both so visceral. They they work well together. Like, that's why a movie like Evil Dead 2 works. Yeah. I even fall asleep of... to riff tracks pretty much well, every other night. I had to train him. But it's like I've been such a big fan. And they're another Midwestern, you know, thing. And they, they always call it their Cowtown Puppet Show. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're, they're from the fucking Midwest. And, and, like, they stay there. They still fucking live there. Like, that's home. And I think that's something that's so specific two midwesterners and uh yeah like and and the humbleness because yeah this is our home we're cool with that and uh you know mystery science theater is coming through this month uh they don't always come to indy 
So we get, like you said, we get very excited when people are like, oh, Indy, yeah, that's cool. Like, we're a big city. Do we forget that? You know, it doesn't help that with Chicago two hours away, they're like, ah, we're going to go to Chicago. It's a bigger city. But like, hey, we're really excited. We want to be included. And uh, yeah, there's just something special about the Yeah. It's so, it's it's funny too. It's like when a when an older episode, when an old episode of, well, I mean, I guess all the episodes are kind of old when it comes to MST3K. Uh but uh, certain episodes, when they come on, it kind of it it makes me time travel back to being a little kid sitting on the couch watching uh, the, like the uh, what was the the time when the uh, the Cessna airplane is the time machine. Oh, time, time chasers. chasers. We just yeah, time chasers. When time that? chasers comes on, I can still re- I can still remember like watching it on an autumn day. Yeah, like in, you know? when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Same like Monster Vision is the same way to me, but. Um, yeah. yeah, Mystery Science Theater, I bring it up on the show. We actually did a special on it because, like, I'm fucking obsessed. My first tattoo was going to be Flyboy from Dawn of the Dead, which is my favorite horror movie. I'm going to ask you what yours is in a minute. Um, okay. Specifically. But and you, and that's open to however you want to interpret it. But, like, yeah, um, it, it's... I lost my fucking train of thought. What's new? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um... Uh, fuck i had a point but whatever it it doesn't i'll get there um (laughs) this is not unusual at all yeah but uh yeah so i have to say what what would you say would be your favorite horror movie like something that relaxes you oh that's where i was going there's something very relaxing about putting these episodes on and just chilling like you know my like i said my first tattoo was going to be that's where i was going also as well uh playboy from dawn of the dead which is my favorite horror film but yeah so I went with Mystery Science Theater because I, it's still so prevalent in my life. Like, my kids grew up on it now, and uh, we have two grown daughters and our son. You know, like, they're all fans. And, yeah, but so, like, there's all these things that, like, are, are, are that keep you safe and you remember, and it, they're lovely. But, uh, yeah, what's your, what's your favorite horror movie, though? So... You know, like like Evil Dead Two. I've seriously seen that movie like almost probably like three hundred times. And same thing with Army of Darkness and the original Evil uh, Evil Dead. Um, you know, so those those are kind of a given. But uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just because that was the first the or my earliest memory of horror. Um, but when it comes to like my 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 favorite one, it's a toss up between two and that is aliens the the second one uh because the space marines thing was just badass and it's just it's a it's a great 80s action movie with and it's jam-packed with everything um i always i i remember seeing that movie when it first came to vhs um because we were lucky enough to have a vhs player at that point in time um and and so it's a toss-up between aliens and then um, Jason lives. Oh, and yes. I forget what Friday the 13th that is, but that's like my favorite. That's my favorite Friday the 13th movie. And it happens to be the first Friday the 13th movie that I ever saw. And I saw that it was on USA Up All Night. Oh, USA had and, all the good stuff. Yeah. So that was the first Jason movie that I ever saw. And I just remember thinking that was just the coolest thing ever. And I was like, oh, I'm watching a Jason movie. And it's the one where he turns into Frank and Jason. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's always a toss up between those those aliens or or Jason lives. Um, Two great know. films too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Like, you know, um, we obviously have some differing opinions on our show every fucking show, but 
Um, yeah, you know, um, with Jason, you know what mine is? Mine is like a complete dog of a movie. I mean, it's not Jason X, but um, uh, my first Jason movie was uh, Jason Go- Takes Manhattan. And so it was the yeah. very first Jason film we ever did on the show. Because they were like, finally, yeah. like, candy. Because like, in the 80s, I remember as a child, I mean, my mom was very cool and permissive, like, whatever the fuck you want to do. And so I watched a lot of horror, and she would introduce me to stuff. But I was always a Freddy person. And if you remember the 80s, they marketed Jason and Freddy towards us children, and it's kind of like you had a side. And on yeah. our show, um, we, we're getting more females involved, but mostly it's guys. And the guys all are Team Jason, and it's the ladies were like, fucking Freddy, you know, like whatever. And it's so it's so fun, like, that the community – you could argue about it, but you're like still you're still gonna hug it out, you know, like that's okay. That's that's cool. So I love yeah. I, love I was never I didn't like like Freddie always Freddie would scare the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. Like I dream I think Dream Warriors was on TV and I remember like it was on yeah it was on and then the scene there was a certain scene where he takes he gets one of the guys and he shoves his claws into him and lifts him off the ground yeah. i remember my 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 older sister shut the tv off she was like you can't be watching that i was just like i remember like it burned into my head like well that was freaky uh but uh i think for for me it was um i was a kid that played out in the woods with other like we were growing up we played out in the woods and everything and there was always that feeling like jason could be right around the, the he, he could be he could be behind the tree you know was, so jason was like the real boogeyman to us growing up and everything you know? yeah yeah um i i hear similar stories uh from uh, a lot of jason fans like that you know um i feel like you know freddie's more of a cerebral kind of thing and just like yeah. for me it's like i think you know what we get out of horror movies is what we bring to it and i have always had sleep disorders so like freddie scared the shit out of me and because oh. <laughs> and with, when, when you take apart the the dna of the horror fanatic it's whatever scared them the most and then they become obsessed with it like freddie was like scary to me because like my dreams were fucked anyway and I was like, then I was obsessed and I had to like be obsessed with it, you know, and and that's, there's a little bit of obsession that goes on into being um, a fan really of anything. But, uh, you know, I find it particularly true in, in that community. And um, yeah, so it, it's, it's the Freddie and Jason debates are really fun. And then you have every once in a while have a, a like, I'm Michael Myers person. I am a Leatherface person. And yeah. So I, it, you know, it was funny, you know, since, uh, Halloween Kills just came out, uh, and they were people were talking about the had been talking about Halloween movies. I I remember it popped back into my head that the first Halloween movie I ever saw was the one with Paul Rudd in it, <laughs> and <laughs> that is such a dog. But it's like you know a lot of people it was, yeah, but you know I, I saw it when it, I saw it when it first came out, so when it was new, so it was like at that point in time I was young. I was like, oh, this is cool. I you know, and then and then uh, I didn't you know after that i saw the original and all that but and that, that was always like that's always uh you know halloween the original is awesome the second one i thought it was pretty cool yeah. and and it's got a it's got a cool vibe around it to where I, I do like to watch that around halloween you know the music and everything it, I'm a it's, it's got a person you know i have never seen halloween three with the masks and everything it in my house but i still found a way because i have a thing for tom atkins 
Okay. And and like Night of the Creeps. Yes. Night of the Creeps is my favorite. Like my autograph from him is that part with the shotgun in that sh where it kind of like the, the awesome camera work happens. So he's holding the shotgun about to shoot that like corpse. And mm -hmm. um, I said, uh, will you sign it thrill me? I know that's probably the thousandth time somebody asked you to do that probably that weekend. But I wanted to say to Candy, thrill me. And they're like, Candy, why are you in love with dead and or old men? I'm like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of fun things. And what we what we try to do with horror is is to take it and, you know, and, and talk about, like, the underlying issues as to why we like the things that we like. And sometimes we have some really, like, deep after-school special episodes. And sometimes we're just really drunk and stupid, um, you know. And I'm always trying to, we've done a couple episodes, I think two now, where we talked about horror as a culture, and I always pick the music, because I like to talk about things that aren't the movies, but like other parts of culture, and me, I'm always bringing up the horror music, like, hey, you gotta listen to this song, you gotta check this out, you gotta check this band out, and they're kind of like, Candy, we don't like punk music, and I'm like, did you try? Because <laughs> it, so it always goes back it, to it, horror it, punk. It's funny, you, you bring up, we think about the music. Well, there's two theme songs that that pop into my head and that have been there since I was a little kid that these 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 theme songs just they never go away. And it was the theme to Tales uh, from the Dark Side, not Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side. And then uh, the actual show Monsters. And those those two themes, they just randomly will pop into my head because th those were I, those two shows right there, my dad and I, we, we I think we, we watched all the seasons because um, it was always something you'd watch it on, you know, what I think they'd come beyond like Sunday nights or something like that. And that was, they were always showed back to back on the station that we watched them on. And so, uh, yeah, I just, the, those theme songs, those always are just rotating in my head for whatever reason. And I mean, maybe it just, that's what steered me towards creepier music i guess right, i don't know yeah. i can i can relate because every time i hear the uh tubular bells the exorcist mm -hmm. theme i get goosebumps yeah. and and i know that there's i know that there's some reason behind that you know it just it struck me just the right way when i was a little kid and so now like every time i hear it like it just sends chills up my spine yeah and i'm just I, i'm I was never the type to talk about scores of films before the podcast, but now it's like, and I never watched commentaries because I'm like trying to watch the fucking movie. Like when we, when we did Halloween kills very recently, we did a live watch along with all million of us um, on the show. And then we immediately recorded an episode after and they're like, Candy's over there sitting, judging this fucking movie the whole time. Like I'm a very serious film watcher, you know, but like I never, took the time to like look behind the scenes or, or do anything like that and pay attention to scores. Um, you know, we've done John Carpenter. We're wrapping up our, our fourth season and uh, I mean, he's a musician and like what fucking great scores in the Halloween films, you know, and, and they live yeah. like they, we just did. They live. Yep, they live. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> favorite. And I made everybody wear sunglasses. And I'm just get bossy, but um, <laughs> just like, it would look really cool. Let's wear sunglasses. Um, but yeah, um, and that also applies for me. Like um, some people can stop there, but I like to go even further and find it in, you know, uh, 
obviously I'm a, I'm a punk rock person. So, you know, finding it and like there, you, there has to be more to the world than misfits as much as I love them. And, yeah. and, and it was thanks to the misfits that I found you guys and psychobilly itself and, uh, a renewed interest in the cramps, you know, because we really love return of living dead on our show. And, oh, yeah. and that was a lot of where we got introduced to the cramps and we're a huge cramps fan. But, um, yeah, so, like, I would take it from that, and, and then I would talk about bands, and they're like, Haney, why do you always do the, the music? I'm like, music is so important to me. One, it can make or break a movie if the score isn't right, and two, like, when I want to jam out to some fun tunes and have a good time, like, that music, you know, the sound and, and the scene is so awesome. Like, I can't deny that. So, you know, that that's what led me to... Finding coffee cats. Right on, right on. I'm <laughs> uh, I'm curious. I I what was what was your take on the uh, the Halloween Kills? Because I I just watched it uh, recently when it came out. Yeah, we watched it the day it came out. Um, the the opinions vary. Um, yeah. I like my 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 podcast bro said I I watched it very seriously. You know. The, the body language, arms crossed, because I'm not the biggest Halloween fan. I, I like the one that everyone hates for some reason because there's no Michael Myers in it. It's it's, it's Tom Atkins. Like, I fucking love Tom right. Atkins, you know? But, um, yeah, so I was, like, sitting there, like, you need to fucking impress me, you know? But uh, I I gave it a fair score. I think I scored it, like, 7.5 or yeah. something like that. Um, everybody else, uh, they scored it better than I did. <laughs> I, I think it was okay, um, it was entertaining. It just didn't like, I'm never going to watch it again. Right. You know? Uh, so I was probably halfway through the movie and I was like, this movie is fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and the little bit that you care about once that part's gone, you're like, mm, mm. the, 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 the whole crowd with the evil dies tonight. Oh my God. Evil it was dies. So I was like, annoying. I was like, why is, I was like, why did this movie just get super cheesy? Right. Is it, it's, you know, uh, because the, the one before it, that was, that was awesome. That it's like Halloween, Michael Myers came back with a fury, you know, and it was, and I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the, of, well, we're going to take Canon and we're going to eliminate these movies, pretend these movies didn't exist. So we're just going to jump from the original. And now you need just, just to believe that no other movies existed. And now this movie exists. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll bite. And I really liked it. I thought it was great. I was and I really like, I like the, I like the reinvent, like the, you know, the mythology and all that. Uh, so I was like, that's cool. And I seriously thought I was like, Oh, I think that's actually going to be the end of it. And so I was really excited to see how they continued it. Like, Oh, how did he get out of the burning basement and all that? And I was like, okay, all right, I get it. I get it. But then like the movie just went and it just seemed to go into a downward spiral. And the other thing too, is that I definitely haven't been keeping up on modern horror movies in the sense that like the kills in the movie to me were so like overdone and so like brutal that it actually like took the fun out of it. Like I, like I enjoy practical effects and I enjoy like the Jason kills and the inventive kills and all that stuff. But like the whole, like when he took the fluorescent bulb and, 
and uh like the lady's there dying watching her husband get stabbed and stuff i was like okay i i get it but you're kind of rob zombieing it and you're like (laughs) you're 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 trying to make us feel like really super uncomfortable and i i get it but i just don't i'm like now i'm just really not enjoying this now you're just being perverse about the whole thing and it might seem weird to coming from somebody who like appreciates the horror genre but like i don't know it didn't seem it just was like kind of tasteless to me in yeah, a way I, mean, I, I don't know how to explain that any better it just it was like, off-putting where i was like yeah all over horror twitter and on our show it's like you you're gonna get the mixed bag like the people who fucking loved it and yeah. kind of like i'm gonna die on this hill and i'm like and i predicted it ahead of time i'm like this is either gonna be empire strikes back or the sophomore slump you know and when and so in my review of halloween kills at the end i said i the next movie because i set up a trilogy um, yeah. As Halloween ends, I'm like, I hope the fuck it does, <laughs> because like this no. is fucking stupid. Yeah. And and you know, I I'm kind of with you there. Like you know, the kills were like extremely over the top, but the one that got me the most was when the woman pulls the gun out and he kicks the door and she shoots herself in the face. Yes. And I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm like, I didn't have that on my bingo card. No, like. Yeah. No, <laughs> Of all the things that, of all the the creative, inventive ways that Michael Myers could kill somebody, just kicking a door and making somebody shoot themselves in the face was not one that I <laughs> I was expecting. Yep. Like now he's an action hero, um, or, or a villain, or whatever. Yeah. You know? the, and the the other thing too is that I'm like, okay, are they gonna go like? Are they starting to go the route of like the Order of the Thorn, where he's now just that he's now he's he really is pure evil. He can't be killed. I mean, obviously, in real life, in the previous movies, there was enough going on that he should be dead anyway. But there was still that like just that hint of. Well, yeah, but I, you know, if we're if if we're sticking with the canon of we have the first movie back then, and now we're gonna jump to what it was it 2017 when that movie came out the one the previous one you know it was like there was a little bit of like okay well maybe he actually is human and he's just i i don't know he's just somewhat superhuman but is still kind of human but now this movie obviously answers it that no he's something completely different you know he's more like the order of the thorn michael myers right, yeah. <laughs> which is not the michael myers that um most horror fans want we we kind of forget right. about that yeah um, <laughs> yeah so but you know as far as modern horror you know i my preferences are tend to be like 80s films the shit that you know, my mom worked at a video store. She gave me a bag. I fill it up with anything that looks, you know, with that, that's back when the cover art was fucking sick as shit. And, you know, I just grabbed whatever looked interesting. Sometimes it was horrible. Sometimes the movies were very, very painful. And, yeah. uh, you know, and sometimes there were just like these great, like deep cuts, like uh, Night of the Demons is, is a favorite. And I finally got to oh, see yeah. that on. I mean, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not really. Um, I find when we went to meet Joe Bob, at the Jamboree, which was the biggest horror event of the year. We went out to Pennsylvania, the Mahoning Drive-In for that. I got to see it on big screen, and that was really fucking cool because I was, like, nine when that came out. And I got to meet, you know, the stars of that. But um, for me, like, you know, 80s horror is everything. But modern horror is we're, we're starting to have a renaissance of, like, really great shit coming. It's just you have to know where to look. Like, Mike Hennigan's yeah. work, um, Ari Aster in particular, like, Hereditary was the first movie that gave me nightmares in, like, 20 years. Yeah, I, yeah, Hereditary was uh, Hereditary was good. You know, the the other movie that I saw recently, like I said, I've kind of checked out from watching, like, modern horror movies, but I did watch uh, The Witch. Oh. And that movie... 
that's just one of those movies where you're just like you feel off the whole movie that you're watching it because it's so eerie and i have a i have i have a hard time now watching movies because for some reason i don't know what broke in my head but there's a lot of movies where i'm just watching it and i go these are just adults playing make-believe like actors and for me like it's it has to be a good movie for me to snap out of that like i'm just watching people play make-believe and the witch was one of those movies where i'm like man i feel like i'm right there in that in that weird environment and just that weird seclusion of that family and just it was it's it was a good just really eerie movie we have uh, uh, a side cast on the show well two actually um like there are special episodes and one of them um, is me and my podcast sister, Erica. You know, uh, we, we now have a third female finally on the show. But uh, Erica and I do what's called Ghoul's Night Out. And we review horror movies from a feminist point of view. Uh, because we are both uh, pretty, you know, strong with our feminist beliefs. And um, so The Witch was one that we did. And it, all the guys were pissed. And I'm like, no, we're going to bring the feminine perspective and talk about history with this. And it's hard to do with nine motherfuckers in the room. <laughs> and, and plus, you know, the guys like, they're like, well, we would have been okay with the feminist thing. I'm like, no, that makes it a regular episode. And this really needed female attention from, you know, horror fans and who are going to talk about this. And I think, you know, Eggers is one of the, the greats that are coming out. Like Ari Aster's one, um, you know, Eggers, there's uh, Flanagan. I mean, those are my favorites. That yeah, yeah, that hereditary yeah. movie threw me for a loop a few times. Like, I did not see that coming with that girl's head getting Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as somebody who's watched horror their entire life, I looked away, and I haven't done that in so long. And and not only that, but he puts, like, the, you know, the pathos in there of, like, feelings and grief. And, and I mean, it makes you feel things, yeah. and it's scary. And it's you know like Midsommar was is just as good I think. But yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that yet. I, I, I I've been meaning. It's it. one. Of, it's on my list of like I have I've been meaning to. It's but like if you pick you know. Hereditary, you know, because it's so dark. But and mm -hmm. then there's Midsommar, and everything happens in the brightest fucking light all day. You know, there's no there's not really any night scenes, and it's like nothing you've ever seen before. So that's what I'm saying. Like you know, I've been so jaded and so unimpressed, but there's a lot of good shit coming out now you just yeah. need to know where to look yeah because there you know when 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 uh what was it when when the walking dead took off and then every movie had to be a zombie movie and, it just and believe me i love the original the the original uh night of the living dead dawn of the dead day of the dead like those movies like like the guts falling out like all the practical effects Mom's like i love those movies wizard. like yeah I absolutely love those movies and those are also those are movies that kind of like they 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 have a mood about them when you watch them you're kind of like ah, man it's it's a it's a weird you get a weird feeling watching those movies but then when you watch you know when you watch like a, even i you know i did like when they remade uh what was it like around 2003 2004 when they remade uh was it was it dawn of the dead they remade yeah i i enjoyed yeah, that that wasn't bad people, people like get mad at me because they're like how is Dawn of the Dead your favorite horror movie? And you like that piece of shit remake where the zombies could run? I'm like, I just went in there for a fucking good time. They gave me a good yeah. time. Like, I'm not a pearl-clutching type. Like, some, pe some people are. Like, like no, that ruins everything. He's one of them. Um, yeah. We disagree about that fucking movie. We always will. But I had a good time with it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. 
I didn't mind it, but at that point in time, I didn't know what was to come. And what was to come was a whole shitload of bad CGI, stupid, stupid writing, and just tropes that get rehashed over and over and over in these movies to where i was like all right i'm checked out on all things zombie right yeah we, we had to do that ourselves and and, and I, I i also had this kind of hatred towards uh the walking dead because uh you know it, it it came out so long ago that not everybody had there wasn't on demand or anything like that so all of our sunday shows when there would ever be walking dead in season people would go and have to be home to watch the new episode of walking dead instead of being at our Sunday shows. Oh, when we're on tour. So, so I'm bad. like, fuck that show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for me, it's like, uh, I love Gregory Nicotero. Um, it's kind of, you know, he was a protege of Tom Sabini's. Uh, I, I worship at the altar of Tom Sabini. Like um, he's, he was going to go to his, his uh, makeup school. We, we believe very strongly in practical effects over CGI. Um, you know, because they age well. Like, I, we just watched Day yeah. of the Dead the other day, and it still looks fucking phenomenal. And that came out in 1985. And I'm just yeah, like, Star Wars and Aliens still look still yeah, looks right. phenomenal compared yeah. to what, what they do it's now. It's like a little uh, touch of it's okay, but if you do those practical effects, that shit is going to, to last. But now when you look back at 90s horror, it was kind of a mess. There's a couple gems, but they, they were, that's when, uh, you know, Gregory Nicotero being one of them at P&B effects, um, all, like I said, they were all protégés of Tom Savini's, and they, you know, CGI was the thing, and those those movies did not age well. I shit all no. over Wishmaster, and I felt bad because Andrew Devoff is a really awesome sweetheart, and you know, I, I also do a horror makeup lane uh, with my my friend Eric that I was talking about, um, and he promoted our makeup because we did a gen color for the wish for Wishmaster. Uh, I'm wearing some of the makeup now, but. Um, yeah, and so he, was, he did a special intro for that episode where I shit all over that fucking movie. And I felt so bad because it's my friend's boss. And I'm like, yeah. and it was so nice of him to do. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm so embarrassed. I retract wasn't, nothing, uh, but I'm embarrassed. Wishmaster, wasn't that Full Moon? Was that a Full no, Moon movie? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, because for Full Moon, I never set the bar that no, high. No, right. Full Moon, you, you're, the bar's on the floor. You, right. You're going yeah. in there, and you know what you're going to get. Like, that was, Ginger yeah. Dead was that Man versus Puppet the Master? Bomber. Yeah, Puppet yeah. Master. Puppet Master yeah. some of their better stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That. Yeah. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time with Full Moon because, uh, you know, my mom working at a video store, we would get screeners, and you would you could keep them. So it was before release, and it was back in, in, in the VHS, uh, you know, video store days. That's how they would know, like, I'm going to order a copy of this. So my mom would bring it home, and I got to keep them. I had screeners for all these, like, tr either trauma, <laughs> which is uh, not the mark of quality. And, uh, yeah, like Killer Moon. Condom, Tromeo, Julia. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, they're fun. <laughs> like, when we watched Troma's War, like, I think that I think I was drunk that night. Yeah. I was like, I thought it was the funniest fucking thing I'd ever seen. I'm like, this is not funny, but I can't stop laughing. It's so bad. And yeah, so we, we end up doing, like, our own riff tracks. You know, for, oh, for yeah. trauma films. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the only way I can get through trauma, and like Full Moon is just as bad. Like we were watching what we put on Ginger Dead Man versus the Evil Bong. Evil Bong, yeah. And, like, yeah, that era. So like <laughs> I, I like going to the. So it was. I'm sure you guys all stayed over at friends' houses on the weekends and all that. And that was the ritual. Was like, all right, well, we're gonna go to the video store, and it was, you know. So we were renting like the first generation of the full moon stuff when it was still like halfway decent. Okay. 
yeah like i i was i was long out of uh that stuff when like the ginger dead man and all that right. stuff we came out. out of curiosity <laughs> and we turned it off about two minutes in because it, the opening scene is sort of an intro to the movie and it's just naked ladies like and I, i'm a third wave feminist like if that like i celebrate your body do what you got to do just just be strong in your convictions as a woman if that's what you want to do I respect that. Like, yeah, fucking do as long as you're doing you and you are okay. Um, I fully endorse that. But it's just like you know, when we put on, we're just like, I am just not in the mood for this yeah. shit right now. <laughs> you know, our our son who was you know much younger at that time uh, was we're like he's gonna walk in the room and it's gonna be weird and like I don't even want to watch this. Like, yeah. I'd much rather like look at the paint and watch it dry. Like it was so bad. And that's the thing, you know, doing this is like you know. There's some shit that you really don't want to fucking do, and we get a demand for it, and it's always like deep cuts, like Chud or Critters or Killer. I love Chud, and I love Critters. Uh, I'll, I'll give you Chud. I uh, Critters did not excite me. Um, uh, those are. Some I, I think I, I think I love Critters today. because I loved it when I was a kid, yeah. and, that's, and I think even more so Critters too, actually. Right. Critters one, Critters. I revisited that a few years ago. I was like, eh, it's, it is what it is. But Critters two, I thought was cool because it had like. I don't know, there was more stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, we talk about the nostalgia factor with these things, and sometimes people let nostalgia cloud their their. Oh, 100%. And, and That's... so we talk about, I'm like, are you rating that from a point of nostalgia, what it means to you? Or are yeah. you rating that as a critic? Because we, we don't want to really be hard critics. Like, I, I always am the person who rates the most generously. That's why Wishmaster took everybody by surprise, because I fucked that movie up. I could be savage, and I'm like, usually I'm like, oh, they tried. I'll give them an eight point five, you know. And it's they're like, damn, right. what the fuck? <laughs> like that's this is absolute garbage. And I'm like, I know, but I'm like, you know, um, it's, it's yeah. like, well, you know, that's that's what if you look at a theme about a lot of podcasts now and a lot of uh, YouTube shows. I mean, nostalgia. It's now more than ever. It's 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 the it's the happening thing. But there's something to that. There's certain songs that we hear that take us right back to, you know, sitting in the car smoking pop for the first time or something like that. But there's 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 certain songs, there's certain smells and there's certain movies that just take you back to a, what you might think of as a better time, you know, or just a good time in your life or, you know, or it's just it's it's like entering a time machine. And just like when you hear when you hear a Nintendo music. You're like, oh man, yeah, that reminds I'm me of Christmas again. morning, 1988. <laughs> right. You know, like, like it's just, it's we we live in a time where we have all of this stuff that's so readily available at our fingertips. So of course we're gonna go take trips down memory lane. It wasn't, it, you know, we also grew up in a time where it wasn't so easy because the Nintendos got put in the attics, the VHSs got dusty, and the VCRs broke. You know, like now now we have the internet that can basically just give us everything that we grew up with loving yeah. You know? yeah absolutely and you know the way that we rate things on our show uh it could be from nostalgia it could be from whatever i'm like so we try to come up like a creative rating so let's say i'm giving something like we did return living dead and i did the opening part with like trash right before she takes your clothes off um because i dressed up like trash that night but it's like uh you know like stuff like i could have fun with that and enjoy it and and the nostalgia like it i have nostalgia but i also you know a 42 year old like is going yeah you know i still fucking love this and it, it makes me feel good but there's other things i'm like oh my god 
uh, this did not hold up well. So it can be a good disappointing venture. <laughs> but like, say, you know, I'm, I'm going to rate that. Like, I could rate it 10 out of 10. Um, I don't know, gas leaks, <laughs> zombie right. gas leaks or something. And, you know, in, 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 in our show, you defend your rating however you want. Like, um, I fucking loved it as a kid. That's enough for me to give it a 10. But for me, it's like, you know, um, I have some very unpopular opinions. I'm like, that's nostalgia fucking with you. Like, yeah. I won't revisit some films. I, I show my kids Monster Squad. It was a big deal when I was a kid. And I and and they were like, this really sucks, Mom. I'm like, yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? So I, I recently, so I have a I have a son. He's almost four. Oh, wow. Loves oh. loves Cowboys. Yeah. Like, you know, Toy Story was his first favorite movie. So Woody the Cowboys. So I go, oh, man, there was this there's this cowboy show I absolutely loved when I was a kid. And it's funny because that was my ex uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, Briscoe County Jr. That was my first exposure to Bruce Campbell. It wasn't uh, Army of Darkness, even though they basically came out right about the same time, because I remember seeing Army of Darkness and going, oh, it's Briscoe County Jr. But so I recently went back and started watching Briscoe County Juniors. And no, unfortunately, those don't hold up as well as like as awesome as they were when I was watching them as a kid. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I hate to say it because I love that show so much as a kid. Yeah. But. And, it, and it happens. And like she said, with Monster Squad, that's what happened to me. I loved that movie when I was a kid. And I, I remember watching it over and over and over at my grandma's house. And so when we decided to go back and revisit it, I'm talking it up to my son. I'm like, you're going to mm -hmm. love this film. And we're sitting there watching it. And I'm like scratching my head like, what did I like about this? <laughs> like, I can't really remember. Because we, um, we were kids. And but we, we were, yeah, know. it was different. But but then again, on the flip side, one of the another film that I really loved, um, my father, we bonded over movies. And one of the movies that we watched was The Last Starfighter. And oh, that, that's so weird because that's my dad and I, that was a movie we used to watch together. <laughs> absolutely loved it. And I hadn't seen that in maybe 20 years. And so yep. I, I got on Amazon. I said, I'm going to order this and got it and sat down and watched it and just took me right back. That was me and Purple I still have flashbacks of that, that fucking clone when it's like <laughs> under yeah. the blanket. And you're like, ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my absolute favorite part in that is right, right near the very end when uh i think it's right after he's done the death blossom and mm -hmm. and the the two lizard guys in the uh yep. in the spaceship and he looks over and that little red lens come over and he's like we die you know and it's just like it's like the last thing he says right before the ship blows up and i like i just get chills every time i see that scene. yeah 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 no i definitely yeah that's so funny because it's it's last starfighter is one of those movies that either you know about it and you you watched it you know often as a kid or is there some people are like what i don't know what you're talking right, about yeah. you know <laughs> and that movie's been remade that that plot has been remade so many times now yeah but like there's only one last starfighter and i remember seeing and i don't know if anything ever came uh, of it but they had talked about that they were actually going to uh do a sequel to it i i had heard that yeah but then, I, don't think I, I mean that'd be one i'd be down for you know yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were there were three movies that my dad and I bonded over uh, the most, and that was The Last Starfighter, uh, Tango and Cash, <laughs> and uh, Commando. Okay, with uh, Schwarzenegger. Oh and God. my dad, my dad was my dad was the one who introduced me to horror. Um, but he was he was an action movie guy through and through. So you know, I was getting this you know the total gamut of you know different films and. 
Oh yeah, I, a, 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 I, I was watching RoboCop probably way before I should have been right. watching RoboCop. Yeah. Talk about RoboCop. Uh, right when it came yeah, out. It comes up a lot on our <laughs> I, show. So, I'm, I'm 38 now. I was watching RoboCop when it first came out. Yeah. So, yeah. Know, when it was fresh to VHS. And <laughs> you, you would be surprised how many how many people will, can tell you that same story. Like a uh, guy on our show, that was one of his first. And uh, so RoboCop comes up a lot. I'm not a big action movie person. I was always... Uh, and it was, it was all about music and horror. But see, like, I didn't really have a dad. So, uh, you know, my mom got me into horror and to music. Like I said, you know, Stray Cats was a, a, a starter pack for me. And, yeah. you know, uh, she had a casual interest in Ramones. And, of course, I took that to the nth degree and just, start, you know, went down that thing with punk. But it was like back then it was so hard to do. But when I went on my nostalgia trip when he was doing The Last Starfighter, I'm like, I got to get Purple Rain. <laughs> I'm a big Prince fan. Um, oh my my wife is a huge I Prince fan. Prince. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I really I don't like to pigeonhole myself musically. I mean, most of the time I'm listening to punk because that's just what I love. But it's metal. I I love Prince. I you know just there's various things in there. So yeah, he's over there like oh this last Starfighter holds up. I'm like oh Purple Rain holds up. <laughs> like I'm like let's let's watch Purple Rain again. And they're like oh my god, oh my god, candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's such a common thing, you know, and I, you know, these memories, they mean so much to us. And sometimes I try to caution them. I'm they're like, you know, we, we got to talk about this movie like Lost Boys. And I have a hot takes on Lost Boys because I'm a big vampire person. Like I have vampire. It's a rare piercing in my neck. And it's scarred because I don't have to wear the barbell anymore. But like, okay, I have, I have, a vampire bit me. Uh, the the scar is. Uh, because I don't wear the bar- barbell anymore. But um, it's just like, I don't know. You, you go back and you watch these things and it's disappointing. Um, you know, and Lost Boys, I was like cautioning, like, you guys really want to do Lost Boys because I think you might be disappointed that what you thought was cool. Because we just went to the drive-in, uh, you know, and they do, uh, there's still drive-ins around here. And uh, they they were doing like a horror thing in October. And I was there like Beetlejuice, Lost Boys, and Rocky Horror or something. I'm like, I gotta sit through Lost Boys, okay. And I'm, and like, he's over there, like, yeah, just still grooving on it. I'm like, this movie is so disappointing. <laughs> as as a fan of vampires, I I give it the seal of fuck you. And they're all like, let's do Lost Boys. I'm like, all right, I hope you're ready because I don't like it. And they're like, you know, but you like interview with a vampire, you like girl shit. I'm like, that's not girl shit. I I love interview with yeah. a vampire. It's got it's, it's, it's not girl you, you, shit. You, you, it's but the thing is is that it's a it's such a good story and it's a long movie and it's something that like it it sucks you in and before you know it what that two and a half hours has passed but you feel like you've gone through the centuries you feel you know and same thing like going back real quick talking about like movies you watch with your dad and everything good and bad and the ugly oh, yeah. was that was that was a movie that i watched with my dad but that'd be a whole afternoon right you know, and and so that's the same thing with Interview with the Vampire, where it's like movies that pull you in, and even if you've seen them before, they pull you in and they keep you engaged for that long. I mean, that's just a damn good movie right there. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. And that's the thing with Ari Aster films. Um, you know, he he films these like four hour long movies and has to edit them down, and they're it was mm-hmm. like it's so long and, and there's just, it's it's just slow. And I'm like, I like a slow burn. In, in a, yeah, like like, like the Godfather. I mean, the Godfather, Godfather Two. Uh, you know, we don't have to talk about Godfather Three. That should <laughs> yeah, never yeah, happen. Yeah, happen but, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
try to be but kind. I mean, those, I mean, those movies, you know, they're not, they're not action packed, but the thing is, is that it's great film. It's great film making when it's like, all right, it ramps you up and then it gives you a little bit and then, Oh, something cool just happened. But then you got to like a, a lull and it's, it's much like how you can write a good song, a uh, memorable song in the sense that like, you don't want to just, you don't want to shoot your wad on the first, in the first 30 minutes of it. Right. You know, you have to, you have to build up, you have to have crescendo. You have to have, you know, you have to have dynamics to your song the same way you have to have dynamics to your movie. And you can see, you can see a lot of these, a lot of these movies that just go straight to DVD or, or, or straight to streaming, I guess, where it's just all out like here, here's this trope and here's this trope. We're going to pack as much as we can into it, you know, and, and now like there's a whole, there's a whole genre of parody movies that come out to make fun of that. And that, that, then those got sequel like Sharknados and stuff yeah. like that. There's like what, 15 of them. But I mean, it's like, okay, we got the joke the first time. Yeah. And it wasn't a very good joke. Yeah. And then you get the 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 things that branch off from Sharknado like Clown Nado or yeah. You know. Raptor versus volcano, or right? Some shit. You know, like, I don't know. I just I, I'm like I No thanks. Who has the time for that? Right. I mean, why would you waste I, yeah, your time? I mean, with time that? is precious and uh I'm not going to spend my time on that. Yeah, and and, and all, I can oh. always tell like it, it, with you know it's it all it is direct to streaming um now, but I still think of it as like direct to video. Um, you know, like that yeah, whole right. term that's yeah to me because I worked in video stores and stuff like that. But it's it's like I can usually tell by the artwork that yeah. when they have this like overly gory, over the top artwork, that that's your entire load right there. Yeah, like so you don't even need to watch the movie because it's going to be awful. They spent every dime of their maybe hundred thousand dollar budget on that cover. Like if you're they're showing you what should be like the last scene of a movie on the cover to get you to buy it or watch it or do whatever. Absolutely. I'm like, no, I don't trust this. And, they, and they usually, I'm usually pretty right about that. Yeah. Yeah. See, we, we just covered uh, a film from the uh, uh, 1989 intruder and it, it has Bruce Campbell's in it for like 30 Five seconds. seconds. <laughs> um, but the, the whole premise of the film was, you know, this secretive killer throughout the entire film but when they released the video, they put the killer on the cover. <laughs> and so it was like, you knew who it was just by looking at the cover of the video. But then yeah. they spend the next, you know, hour and 20 minutes in the film and they try to make it like this secret, like you don't know who the killer is. And it, <laughs> it, it was just mind blowing. Like, you know, you had like Sam Raimi and Ted Raimi were both in it. Um, mm -hmm. Early early film roles for them. And, and the kills in it were actually pretty, it had... One of the greatest early can be yeah early early, early can yeah. be but one of the greatest kills in it was this bandsaw kill where you know you see i mean and they they i thought they did really good practical effect Very with shallow. the the bandsaw goes you know right through the center of the head you know and and all gory detail you know yeah. or, the trash <clears throat> or the trash compactor you know crushes this guy's head but it was just like you couldn't come up with any other idea for the box art except for putting the killer's face on the front and totally ruining, you know, the whole premise of the film in the first place. Absolutely. And it's a yeah. deep cut of a film because a lot of people don't know about it. And so for me, it was a first watch. You know, some of them, a lot of the people on the show had already seen it. And they're like, well, Candy, you're such a huge fucking Bruce Campbell fan. How have you not seen this? I'm like, uh... 
I don't know. He's I only mean, in it for five seconds. He, yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> Officer Bruce Campbell comes in, yells, and leaves. You know, beats him up. Yeah, like, like leaves. just like Congo, where I, I, I was such a big Bruce Campbell fan. I was so excited for Congo coming out. And I was like, oh, it's a Bruce Campbell movie, and he gets wiped out in the first five right. minutes. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we have a little section on the show, uh, Candy's Awkward Celebrity Encounters. And uh, I was so excited to finally meet Bruce Campbell. And like I said, you know, our son's name is Ash. And I had this whole thing I was going to tell him. We're going up, you know, we're waiting in line to go meet him. And I'm just like, I'm going to geek out. But I have like a nervous tick. And I'm like, I got to make sure my hands are super soft. So I'm putting this lotion on, <laughs> waiting in line, wait and just keep doing it. Because I'm like, oh, fuck, we're just waiting in line. You know, what else can we do? And we get up there and I, you know, he shakes Sean's hand. And he's all, you know, being Bruce because he's really fucking, he's loud. Yeah, and he loves, and I read all of his books. And he loves to sort of insult his fan base, and they kind of expect it from him. But see, I'm like a tender little delicate flower, so I go up there, and it's my turn to to shake his hand and say what I'm going to say, and I shake his hand, and he pulls away from me, and he goes, "What is all over you?" And I'm, and everybody in like this long fucking line is laughing, and I'm like, I I felt like the scene in Evil Dead Two when he. He's the, he sits in the chair and it breaks and everything starts laughing at him. Like yes, yes. That was happening to me. And I'm like, I wish a lightning bolt would strike through and kill me. And then, so they're always like, so, you know, we dig on some of my awkward encounters. I'm like, I need a redo with Bruce Campbell. I, I had so much to say. And then after that, and like in the, and in the picture with him, I had this look on my face like I'm dead inside, basically. Like, this is my hero. But like, he was nice, but he, people expect that from him. And I was like, I wasn't expecting it. I'm nice. Right. Don't do that to me. But yeah, I mean, he was just being Bruce Campbell. But like, yeah. I had no intention. You know, I embarrass myself all the time. It, it, you kind of get numb to it. <laughs> That's you, because I keep yeah. I, I, well, I, I, a domineering talker. Yeah, well, talker. I, uh, you know, I don't know how much time you have, but I know you have a family, and we don't want to keep you. Yeah. Um, but I know I speak for Candy, um, and saying we really appreciate you doing this. Um, yeah. It's it's been a blast having you on here. Um, but I want to know, and I'm sure the fans want to know, what's the future hold? So, uh, we actually are getting ready to hit the road. Um. We have a show Thanksgiving Eve in, in the Detroit area, and then we'll spend Thanksgiving with the families. And then the next day we hit the road and work our way from uh, Michigan all the way down to Florida and back. And that'll take us into mid-December. And then after the new year, uh, we are lined up with tours all the way into summertime already. And that's tours taking us into Texas uh into the northwest of the u.s um nothing overseas right now because everything's still kind of weird but yeah. um we uh we and so in the winter time into early springtime we'll be hitting the west coast and uh as like i said texas and then uh in the springtime in uh april or is it may into june we'll be with the reverend horton heat um on the east coast on the northeast yeah so, and, and I know you're, yeah. you're doing some recording now. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was, that was also another thing with, uh, COVID is all of a sudden I had a lot of downtime, a lot of downtime that I was not expecting. And I had picked up, I had always, ever since our, ever since our first recording, like ever since the first time I ever stepped into a studio, like the, 
the experience of actually like laying down something and hearing it play back through the monitors was always mind blowing to me. And unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I don't know if it worked out in our favor or not for the early parts of our career is that we were just always so wasted in the studio because it was like the only way you can settle your studio nerves is to get hammered. And so like I never paid attention to like audio engineering and all that. I always I always wanted to get into it, but I never paid attention to it. But I picked up some things along the way and I picked up some production things and and stuff that I was like, man, if if I ever did our album, I'd want to do it like this. And I kind of I got tired of saying that and I actually wanted to do something about it. So about four or five years ago. I actually started I started to take my knowledge of recording stuff uh, beyond just basic demos and actually diving deep into audio engineering and everything. And all of that kind of led up to uh, I, I, I mixed and and uh, and uh, I mixed and put out the uh, the most recent EP that we did. And uh, I really like I really like being able to do that now because I can kind of all the ideas that I've ever wanted to do, all the things that we couldn't do because we were always so uh, in the studio, the, talk, the, the clock was ticking. The dollar signs were flying out the window. So it was like, all right, no, I'm not going to lay down an extra vocal. I'm not going to do this. Let's not do that extra guitar part. Let's not do this. And, and so your, your, creati your creativity gets squashed. And it's not like, it's not, I don't want to say like, oh, our albums could have been so much more if we had actual real budgets and stuff. No, everything happens for a reason. And, and I would never go back and re I would never go back and rewrite history or do anything with anything we previously recorded because that was a time and a place. And that was a mindset. But now I'm in a position where it's like, I can actually like, I can write songs and I can sing songs how I, I want to sing them and how they're supposed to be sung instead of like, Re writing a song quickly recording it and then the song develops into something else why we're later playing it live or whatever <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's 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 pretty cool and uh and just it gives me something to nerd out on completely is uh, you know recording gear and analog stuff and and being out on the road and searching for cool gear and things like that or or like actually like talking to the sound engineer at the shows and 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 like just being like oh hey what kind of microphone is that and like and when you connect with a sound guy at a show and and like they're like oh okay these guys are all right it, it, it helps you sound better live right right because <laughs> we don't travel with the sound guy so the rule number one is always be always be cool to the sound guy because he's generally going to come in all grumpy so you try to get him high and be cool with him so <laughs> absolutely um it's so i'm so glad to hear you know like i i think with the awfulness of what happened with the, the COVID pandemic, uh, a lot of people found themselves, you know, out of work, out of money, out of opportunities. And I think all of us were had to take a backseat and really kind of rethink what we were gonna do with this time. And it, it, it spawned the two most successful things, uh, like professionally that I've ever done. Um, but, you know, I, I like hearing that, that, you know, you took that time and you use it because a lot of people did not, you know. You yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like the amount of time that there, there was, I, we should have been more prolific, but at least we got something out. <laughs> at least we got you know, something recorded out of it. And, and I, I will say that anybody that any anybody that follows us, 
between Tommy's computer hard drive and my hard drive, we have about probably three albums worth of like demos uh, that we just now need to find the time uh, to actually start putting them to actual, like making actual songs out of them because we've been working like crazy um, just with not being on, not, not being able to tour. We've been working normal jobs like crazy. So I, I don't, I, I miss I miss having the energy that I had in my 20s because for whatever reason I could still work a 10 hour day and then go and play for hours and hours and hours. Now it's go I go work a 10 hour day and I come home and and it's like well I'm ready to go to bed. Yes, uh, like immediately after a show ends, we go in, you know, take my nighttime meds, get my makeup off, and you know after after a show because I'm like where well, I'm going the fuck to bed, dude. Like you know that's the thing is I. We have, like I said, we have two grown daughters who are in college. Uh, we we started having kids at 21. And so uh, I had the energy for children in my 20s. Yeah, and now right. that they're grown or in high school, I'm like, thank God we got to that part. <laughs> yeah. And now, so, so you know, that, that kind of presented a dilemma to me um, because, uh, you know, nobody needs mommy as much. And, and that was hard for me. That was a really difficult thing because – Everything else in my life took a backseat to my children, and that's how it should be. I can understand be. that. Yeah. Um, you know that that was what I was. It was a mom, and uh, you know I worked for a little bit, you know, but then it just, you know, I had to be there for my kids. And uh, you know, now that they're older, I had free time, and then I hurt my back, and then COVID happened, and I'm immobile, and I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do? You know, and so like I think props, like anything that you accomplish during that time that, that we take a really difficult time and you make art out of it. That was the thing for me is like, I had to keep creating something and I had to figure out what am I going to do? And I think a lot of people were in that situation. Um, you know, and I, I just really applaud that. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it was such a, a weird time that I'm sure none of us have ever experienced anything like it before. And there was just so much doom and gloom about like, Oh, we're going to be locked in our houses indefinitely and blah, blah, blah. And there was just so there was just this really just this uneasy feeling of not knowing what actually was going to be happening. And so to be able to just to take that and say, you know what, no, I'm going to, I'm going to utilize this and do something positive and keep my mind off of whatever else is going on and push forward. And I, you know, it's, <laughs> Yeah, I look at it as 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 a band. You know, we've we've been a band that's have had a transmission blow in 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 the middle of in the middle of Wyoming, in the middle of nowhere. You know, and like we got through that just fine. And we've had tours that where the vehicles died, and we had to scrap and and figure out how to get to the next show. And we've been through all those nightmares and everything. I was like, ah, we'll be able to get through this, no problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, I'm, and you just keep. I'm glad you keep pushing forward. You glad know. to see that you guys turned it to something positive and you weren't like hoarding toilet paper or anything else. Oh, like yeah. The country. Yeah, not going crazy with it. It's, it's for, for me, it was just like, okay, this is the time to reflect and, 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 you know, let's fucking make something out of this. Yeah. And it ended yeah. up being like just a really smart move for me career wise. And, you know, I dragged him along with me and this man works all day for us. <laughs> and, you know, I got to say, it's awesome on your end. Congratulations for being, you know, top rated because there's a lot out there now. There's, there's, you know, 
and this is the same thing with the same thing with everybody being able to put you know home studios in their basements and stuff like that and being able to release music there's there's more music than ever but that doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean it's good music coming out it's harder now for the cream to come to the top and so congratulations to you guys for you know being so well received and everything because there are there are a lot of it's i there are a lot of people that just go, I'm going to start a podcast. And they, they sit there with the microphone and they go, well, my day was this. And then they go, why didn't my podcast become successful? Because there's nothing that's appealing about it. And you guys obviously have something that is. Well, so we congratulations. Are very unique. There's not another podcast like us. We are absolute fucking maniacs. <laughs> and then, like I said, we, we have so many friends in the podcasting and horror world. And they're just like, oh, my God, House of Screams. But, like, we're the party show. We're, we're the show that you go to when you're getting lit and you want to listen to friends like fuck around and insult each other but all in good fun and we love each right. yeah, other yeah. there and 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 dig, dive deep into films or, or you know completely fucking savage them like and, and and it surprises me like you know like it was just something to eat up time and then it became something bigger and that's that's you know that, that we did make it through that and now that everybody's returning to work and, and things like that it's like we're still here and it's like I, nobody's more surprised than me but we do work very hard on it and and i just like to see that in, in so many others because a lot of times you know it, it it was a depressing lockdown was depressing quarantine was horrible but like you've got to take that and use that as an artist absolutely whatever you're creating and and i like to see that so i'm excited to hear what you guys are going to put together and i hope to see you in indianapolis uh, very soon. Absolutely. I won't miss this time. Yeah. <laughs> I won't miss this time. I will, uh, once I know, once I know when our uh, Melody in date is for Indianapolis, I will definitely shoot you a message and let that you know. But really, yeah. really thank you guys so much for having me on here. Thank I really appreciate coming. it. Yeah, and, we really appreciate yeah. it. Been, thank you. This has been very exciting for us. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome. And if, if anybody's curious about uh, coughing cats, you can, we're all, we're, we got the Facebook, the Instagram stuff. And we will tag um, it's, you it's, and put your links. Yeah. It's, it's coughing cats with, uh, with K's because we wanted to be weird and different. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, we're, we're streaming on Spotify and Apple music and all that stuff. And our, uh, our website, if anybody wants to know the tour dates is uh, coughingcatsrock.com. So Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank awesome. You. Thank you. And we're looking forward to everything that's coming. So absolutely. Thanks again. Great. All right. Take care. Well, uh, have a have a have a great rest of your show, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Yes, definitely. All right. Take care. Bye bye.